Bum, 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 bum. Video vampires. Hey, Jessica. And Mickey. What up? Um, okay, so it's kind of funny because I I forget how big this show is, and this is what I've been watching, which it is completely absurd at times, but I've been like really into the vampire diaries. So it's shot in Georgia. It's shot where I live. I live literally right next to the square, like Mystic uh, Mystic Tavern or whatever it's called, the bar that the brothers go to, uh, and the brothers being these two hot vampire brothers. Um, it's very much like a teen. I don't know what original network it was on, but it's very much like a CW type. I think it like. was a CW, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. So that makes perfect sense. And honestly, like the first season is a little hard to get through. And then the second season is really good, but it's like a roller coaster because some seasons are like dog shit and then some seasons you're like oh someone actually spent time like writing um what's supposed to happen and these actors are actually doing a good job um it's absurd but i had no idea how popular it was until they had like a a vampire diaries convention um in my town and it was like packed full of people i had no idea what was going on and so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna watch it and it's it's better than twilight but it's not as good as um as the other vampire show um what was that one on true HBO? blood true blood yeah the couldn't couldn't think of it for some reason uh so it's in the middle somewhere at least these vampires have sex with each other um but they're still like old hundred year old vampires that are like i love this 17 year old girl which is really weird um but also fine because you get past it the entertainment value but yeah, it's um, and I had like a random conversation about Vampire Diaries, like on the shuttle to my air, you know, <laughs> to the airport, you taking mm-hmm. off a flight. Someone mentioned, uh, you know, where are you going? I was like, oh, going back to Georgia. And they're like, my favorite show is shot there. And I was like, is it Vampire Diaries? <laughs> and uh, it's super popular. So I've been like, I'm, I've watched like five seasons. Like my brain is mush. I don't know what's going on. But luckily, I did fit in. Um, True Detective, the new True Detective. This is the fourth season. Um, and there's... Have you been watching it? No, I'm going to wait. No. What, are you waiting for all the episodes? I'm waiting for a bunch so I can just knock them out in one fell swoop. I imagine okay. it's not going to be as difficult to, to do as the first season, which was like not like hard to watch. Because I did binge watch that, but it was also... It would get pretty heavy, and you'd just be like, God damn it, like, I need a break. But I don't know. There's something about this... From what I've seen in this season, commercial-wise, where I'm like, oh, this is going to fuck me up in any way. Yeah, it really does. And they they do, like, obviously you might have seen from, like, any of the posts, they, like, call out certain influences. Like, all good, like, horror people do. You know, they'll, like, hide movies that they're influenced by in, like, beginning shots. Same thing. You know, you see a a snippet of the thing and other, um, you know, like, art pieces or horror movies or, you know, anything that they were inspired by. We'll say, like, it's pretty terrifying at some points like the whoever did the effects for it too and like the the makeup and the props like kudos to them because it looks like horrifying like really like i hate looking at it but it's like it kind of reminds me of hannibal a little bit the show um that brian fuller did um where like some of these things are so grotesque that they're weirdly beautiful but you don't want to like look at it too long because you're like this is really fucked up um that's how i feel about it i i know like um it does call out a lot to the first season which is interesting um because these are the only two that tie together a little bit Mm -hmm. um it's really cool so far i i heard that it's going to be slow up until 
probably the last two episodes where if you had any reservations about it, that you watch these two episodes and you'll be like, oh, that was totally worth the whole thing. So mm. I heard it like gets even more um, ridiculous and the cast is really great so far. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want any spoilers because I'm in a, a bunch of, you know, nerd groups and everyone's talking about it. And if someone ruins something for me, I'd kill my soul. Um, that's a real threat. Don't mention things to me if I haven't seen it. Um, and then yeah, I feel other like spoiler alerts are like, you know, if, if something's like 10 years old. Mm. Yeah, but, it makes sense. Yeah. But if it's like something that's like really new on and you're out there like telling right. secrets like, no, man. Um, but that's why I watch it like when it airs, so no one can ruin it for me. <laughs> that's the um, thing I hate about AMC because I always complain about yeah. how much I hate AMC. Is like well, I'll be in getting ready to go to a movie, and like, these people will be coming out talking loudly, and it happens every time I go. They'll be talking loudly about the movie they just saw, and it's like, man, you guys just give zero fucks that people could be in line or could be waiting to see that movie. I'm all about talking about a movie. That's why you go to a diner. That's why you go get a slice of pie. It's why you go do something. Don't fucking talk in the lobby of the movie theater like a fucking chump and ruin it for other people. Anyway. I know. <laughs> That's really funny um, and terrible. I know. I would be mad, especially if it's like something I've never seen before. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but this is probably why a lot of movie people like streaming rather than going to the movies now because they don't want to be inconvenienced at all. I know that what's his face had said something about like independent movies should only be shown in the theater, which I do agree with to a point. But then there's the whole thing about accessibility and like people who don't live in big cities and like people who can't get to the theater all the time. It's like, where the fuck are they supposed to see it? But anyway, um, the only other thing I watched was I started, I kept hearing about Fargo the last season, season five. I love Juno Temple. I started the first two episodes, uh, haven't seen anything else of season five, and they're good, but I it's way more like cartoony vibe than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more serious and like darkly funny like the original movie Fargo is, but I haven't seen any of the other seasons, so I don't know if this is just like the tone uh, I like it. That's to say, like, it's not bad. It's just a little more like mm -hmm, than I kind of thought it would be. And then I watched the Ken and Barbie killers, which um, I should never watch true crime, especially before bed because of my dreams are fucked up. But it's like this, you know, beautiful cu couple that like it, true crime series that like we're abducting teenage girls and like killing them and torturing them. So fun times. And it's always like there's like one police guy that it's like, yeah, we fucked up. Always in any true crime series that you watch on any network, it's always like some police officer is like, yeah, we knew. Yeah, it did take us two years to run the DNA. And then when we got it, it pinged that he was guilty. And it's like, okay, like, great that you guys failed miserably at your jobs. And this person was just murdering a bunch of people in the meantime. But hey, you know, whatever. You know the Criterion Channel, right? Yeah. You know what movie you should watch before you go to bed is The Honeymoon <laughs> Killers. Oh, no. <laughs> It was great. It was like, I think it was like early 70s. It's black and white. It's got, actually, it's got the lead actor from God Told Me To, that movie we watched. Oh, yeah. It's also got, um, her name is Shirley Stoller. She was on Pee Wee's Big, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, and then she was in Frankenhooker as the bartender. But yes. she plays like this, like, lonely woman who's like a nurse in, like, I don't, I don't know where, somewhere in the East Coast, I believe. And she's like, 
you know, it's based on true story. And she's like doing a correspondence with like one of those date before there was dating apps before there was dating video services. It was like lonely hearts, writing letters and stuff like that. You know, that type of thing. And she hooks up with this guy who's basically his whole shtick is that he like, he basically seduces these, like these women, these lonely rich women. And then he basically runs off with their money and then they meet up and it kind of, wait, was it, did they do a remake of it too? I don't think so. But to me, it's like, it's, it's, I feel like there's parts of, there's a lot of it that's, you know, I guess people would say it's tame now, but mm-hmm. for me, I imagine if that, if when this movie came out in 1970, whatever, or 1969, 1970, to me, it would have been what Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was, where it's like, there's just oh, a few moments okay. where you're like, oh, that just fucking, but nothing like, but unlike Henry, it's like nothing super, like, you know, uh, really violent. It's more of just like, oh, that that was just completely suggested like that we're supposed to believe that this thing just fucking happened and it's fucked up. You know, it's, uh, I really, really enjoy honeymoon killers and I recommend it. I ended up getting the DVD of it because I was just like, God, I just want to own this. So like, so someday I can watch all the, the features that are on there, but, um, I don't know. It's on criterion. I recommend it, but you were saying true crime and it, that's what I think of is like, it's a good movie and it's based on a true story. So, uh, there's a lot of good stuff. I was just perusing uh, Criterion now, and there's a lot of stuff that like wasn't available anywhere, like the Ken Russell uh, series, uh, and so the, the Devils. Devils is on there, yeah. which wasn't available. I had to steal it from the internet, which I will do because everything's so. It's still not now. available. Like you can't buy it anywhere. No, and that's why I have it on my hard drive yeah, forever too. and ever. Steal from the internet as much as you can. Um. Herzog told us we could, but yeah. What what else did you watch? Um, I I mean, I, Honeymoon Killers wasn't something I watched recently. Just something I thought of because you were talking about Barbie and Ken Killers. Um, I watched nothing new. Um, new as in like you know, just came out. Still, I did watch you something still that was new to me. Poor things or anything. I saw poor things. I saw poor. Did we we talk talked about, about last. Epi- yeah, we talked about last episode. I I think poor things is one of if not. It's it's in the top three of the best movies of this of the past year. I really enjoyed Poor Things a lot. Although I think it was, I don't know if it was Arrow or if it was Beyond. Somebody posted something on Instagram, and I like I laughed and I was like, it's funny, but it is kind of weird. Where they were like, hey, just so you guys, just so you guys remember, Poor Things is essentially a remake of Frankenhooker, and then they did like still from Poor Things, still from Frankenhooker, and then just like three three on each side, and they were like almost identical. And it's like, yep. I was like, dude, I, that's really funny. Cause I saw that too. And I was like, that is, it makes a good point. But I think but that, I was caught up with all the Barbie drama and the Oscars. And I was like, now I'm just getting more and more irate because I'm like, I don't give a fuck what, like if Greta Gerwig, no, I don't dude, actual do, people though. like, uh, like, um, you know, native and indigenous people were like nominated for some of the first times. And then people have a problem with like a fucking affluent white woman, not getting a nod. First of all, well, why, Barbie does okay, not was, belong in the best picture series at all. It's like, no, it's sure like it did. absolutely did. To me absolutely that, like, did. Absolutely oh, belonged. And Margot Robbie, like people are like, Oh, she's getting snubbed. It's like, she wasn't best. There's no, like all the other films are like way more. Well, I think it's going to be funny because if they do win, then she gets the Oscar anyway because she's the producer on it. But yeah, absolutely. Why is Christopher Nolan nominated for Best Director? But Greta Gerwig's I don't agree not. with that either. But like, that's, but that's okay. So so now that we're, we're talking about, before I go into what I saw, I want to know who you think of the Best Directors of the Year were. 
I, I would just say your ghost. That's the only thing I can think of because it's the only movie that I actually like. And we talked about this last episode now that I remember is like, yeah. I wasn't very inspired by much that came out except for probably. Yeah, Boy. no, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, somebody asked me like, Oh, what do you think of the Oscars? And I was like, what the same thing I think every fucking year, which is like, yeah, they, they, they completely overlook every fucking, with the exception of like, there's always going to be exceptions like parasite the year that parasite won. I was like, yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because it was um, when Guillermo del Toro won Best Picture. I think that he should have gotten nominated or won Best Picture a long time ago. But that's a whole other thing. I do like the fact I that really his like remake that of A Creature from the Black Lagoon won Best Picture. That's cool. But, um, but the thing with the Oscars is that like you know people are like, oh, have you seen Maestro? And I'm like, no, I haven't. But you know what? I, I have. did like. I, ha- I did like Maestro. Sure, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's done very well. But you're telling me you've never seen Maestro before. I feel like I've seen Maestro so many times and so many variations that I just don't care anymore. You know, it's like I'm not the what what the Oscars deem is like oh the best pictures of the year. I just don't. I'm like I just disagree. Where was Bottoms? I thought Bottoms was actually a fantastic, funny, ridiculously absurd movie that actually like I don't know. I, I At think least it I feel was like nominated it, during the Golden Globes, but it wasn't for the like I, best I, comedy I, or anything, right? Yeah, it's just fuck them, you know. So I, I could. But care I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, to a point, it's like absurd because why? Why do we even care when it's been this way for so long? That like just doesn't make any sense. Because I remember being so mad that The Handmaiden wasn't nominated. It wasn't even nominated for Best International, and I was like. And it, it, I think before Parasite, like, no other South Korean movie had ever won. And I was like, that is such a shame because, like, such important art comes from there. And it's just one of those things. But, like, I just don't agree. I just – I don't think Barbie is that important. But, again, I, mean, I wasn't really like- – yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that, like, it, it revolutionized film or, you know, <laughs> social, you know, the way we behave and everything like that. But I think it was pretty fucking great. And I, I honestly, like, between that and Oppenheimer, I was like, I don't know which one. I think I had more fun. I enjoyed watching Barbie more. I have a problem with Oppenheimer. It's like, man, Oppenheimer. I'm like, you're telling me that you didn't find anything wrong with this movie. There was three and some odd hours of of, of movie. And you're telling me that there was not a lot of stuff you would have gone, oh, that, that that's a problem or that – I didn't like that or that was, you know, it's like people are like, oh, man, Oppenheimer. I'm like, yeah, it was really good, but it's not amazing, you know, and like and and I felt the same way about, you know, um, you know, every Best Picture nominee, you know, I mean, like I, I rewatched Barbie on Christmas and or on Christmas. I was like, yeah, I really enjoy this movie. There's problems with it. You know, I mean, it to me, it's a little weird that like, I mean, and I get it, but that you you know, your movie's called Barbie, but Ryan Gosling does get all, he, it's, it's really becomes, you know, half his story as well. And it's like, I just, and I mean, you know, I'm happy that he got nominated because I really like Ryan Gosling. You know, he seems like a great, him too. and Keanu Reeves are like pretty fucking, you know, they're like the nicest guys in the world, but you know, I don't care. And like, what I was gonna say earlier though, is that like the movies that I love are the ones that don't get nominated or, or and when they, when they, on the rare times they do, they never win. And I think back to this story about like, you know, Mel Brooks had produced the elephant man for David Lynch and they got nominated for best picture, best director, they, you know, all the awards and they lost to ordinary people, you know, Robert Redford won best mm-hmm. director. And like Mel Brooks said this really great thing to David Lynch that I, I think about a lot where he's like, you know, el- people are going to remember elephant man forever. 
It's a movie that's going to live on forever. Ordinary People is going to be an answer and a trivia question. And it's true. I guarantee, like, I could cross the street and I can ask people, I can go up and down my street and be like, hey, have you ever heard of Ordinary People? I'll bet you, I'd say half people haven't heard of it. Elephant Man, they they know of it because it's become such a part of pop culture. You know, even people will reference it without even realizing they're referencing it. You know, I'm not an animal, I'm a human being. There's there's variations of that that line in so many different things of pop culture that it's just, it's... I think it depends on where you are because I feel like if sure. I walk down in the South and I ask people, have you ever seen the Elephant Man? They'd be like, what? Elephant what? Elephant who? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's a pretty... Uh, you know, or or they would at least know of it because they're like, yeah, didn't Michael Jackson buy him? Because you know that's fucked up and true. Um, did he? Did he buy the? He bought his he bones. Bought the, he bought the Elephant Man skeleton. Yeah. Oh, um, that's twisted. But so, I, I get it if you have that much money and you're like, I'll buy this dead guy's. Bones. Oh yeah, if you get that much money, you're insane. Why not? You know, <laughs> buy a ranch, buy an amusement park, buy the Elephant Man. Uh, I went to. Um, I saw. I went. I went to the Egyptian for the first time, and this is crazy. I didn't oh. realize this until I was sitting there. That I was yeah. like, I haven't been here in four fucking years. So the yeah, Egyptian reopened. Like? Oh, okay. Was it so I'm gonna, completely I'm, renovated? I'm part scared. of this is going to be my review of the Egyptian. But like, yeah. um, I realized the last time I was there was with you and mm-hmm. Heather. And we saw Freaked. That was the last time I was in the Egyptian. Mm-hmm. That was January 2020, right? Oh, yeah. And it was the first, the screening that I went to was the first screen that Cinematic Void was doing at the new Egyptian since it had been reopened. So that's just kind of it was kind of interesting, but um, they took out the balcony. Hate it. It's yeah, like that giant kind of like lobby that like weird like kind of like almost like a pit that like you know kind of like branched off into like oh this way is one way to the balcony this way is the other way to the balcony this is the way to the other weird micro theater that was in the Egyptian that people didn't know about but I had been there once I was like there's a little mini theater in the Egyptian. Yeah. Um, all of those little like passage pathways are all gone. It's more streamlined. What I don't like about it, aside from the balcony being gone, is that when I was waiting in line in the concession stand, which don't have coffee anymore. Mm. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, man? I'm going to watch a double feature and not be able to grab a cup of coffee. Let's get the fuck out of here. But um, they are uh, like now it's like when you're waiting in line, there's like these little like high little plaques, these little signs, right? That like, telling the history of the Egyptian. And I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like that we're getting the, it's, I don't feel like I'm in the Egyptian. I feel like I'm in the, the historical recreation of the Egyptian or the museum version of the Egyptian. Yeah. And then when I sat down and I was watching the movie, I, I was like, yeah, this does feel familiar. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things where it's like, I had a constant reminder of, I've been here before. Like I lived here. This, you know, like I feel like I've got a cot somewhere buried somewhere in this place, you know, from like, but I told the story of, the story before about one night I got out of work. It was pouring rain in LA. I was going to see Rennie Harlan's Prison, which was like his first American film. It was this great horror movie. Um, and I got there early. It was playing at the Egyptian. And I got there early. It was like a Wednesday night. And they were like, yeah, come on in. Like, just come on in. You know, we know you got your ticket. And, you know, but it was like really early. So I sat down and it was just me in the, in the Egyptian by myself. Uh-huh. And then like two minutes later, Clue Gulliger, who was an actor, he passed away, um, like, oh God, I want to say, like, within the past two, three years. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. He plays the dad. He's in Return of the Living Dead. He plays their boss. He's in The Hidden. He's in, he, he's been in so many things that you've seen him in. Um, but he, you, I used to run into him all the time. 
mm-hmm. at the New Beverly. The, and he just, the guy just loved fucking going to movies. He's in the last picture show, um, for Christ's sakes. But anyway, he, um, he came in and he like sat like three rows ahead of me, four rows ahead of me. And it was just me and him in the theater by ourselves. And I thought, I was like, do I go over there and talk to him? But I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to enjoy this moment. We're just two guys who are coming in from the rain and we're hiding in a movie theater. And that's what the Egyptian felt to me. It felt like a, 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 a literal, literal shelter from the storm. This felt a little bit more like uh, my buddy who has been on the podcast, our friend Diego, he was described as like, yes, this is the California adventure version of the, of the oh. Egyptian. Like the, it's, it's, it just feels a little bit whatever on the flip side of that. There's a weird vibe there that I can't put my finger on. Like at one point I went to go use the bathroom and they're playing this like weird, like dissonant, like, swing music on the radio in the bathroom and i was like if some horror movie was about to happen in this, in a theater this is the one it's gonna happen in like it just had this really cool like vibe to it yeah. i was like oh man it was like it was it felt like he described it as like being in a video there's a video game called bioshock which has like this weird retro um vibe to it and and i was like yeah i totally agree i can see where that's you know where you're, where you're getting that so th- there is bits and pieces of the egyptian that i, I really still love it's going to take getting used to. I'm heartbroken about the balcony. I listen to people in the line justifying like, oh, I heard they took down the, they took away the balcony because of this. And they're like trying to like, but really it's for a bet. It's you, the picture's better. And I'm like, I don't, even if that was true, which it's not, I don't fucking care. Like I wanted the balcony, you know? Yeah. And the thing, the, the screen that I went to was sold out. Now I think it still would have sold out even with the balcony, but without the balcony, it's like, yeah, of course it's going to sell out. Like, this is a regular fucking movie theater now. We're not, like, we can't fit all the people that we used to be able to fit when we saw Suspiria, when we well, saw gonna, Big Jim a Little China, you know? And like, that we saw, and it was, like, I don't know, debate on what the best seat in the house was, but it definitely wasn't the front of the theater. But that, it just, like, I don't know. I just don't like it. <laughs> but I don't like change like that either. So, so I went <laughs> I'm kind to of a, a purist in that way. Like, everyone likes, like, oh, we love AMC because we can recline our seats. And I'm like, why would you want to fucking recline your seat when watching a movie? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't do that at home. I do that to fall asleep, you know? And so I'm just like, whatever. And I know it's not like that. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. No, I mean. But it's still like, like you said, there was like one version of it that felt like a home place. And now it feels like a museum of the home. Yeah, and it's like, going to the new Egyptian makes you realize how run down the original one was. I have to, I will say that it was like, wow, I didn't realize like how much when you, when they cleaned it up, I was like, this does look, I mean, cause like a lot of it is still the same. Um, but that being said, it was nice to see all the same people that I used to see that I used to run into at the Egyptian at all those screenings. It was a nice feeling. So it was like, there was a weird, it was a weird, like, it's like coming home from college, you know? Yeah. And being like, oh yeah, like everything's like these little things are different, but it's it's like it was kind of like that. It was weird, but I went to a Sergio Martino double feature. Um, maybe in like November, a buddy of mine, same buddy, I went to Egyptian with. Really wanted to get me into. He he wanted me to see all the colors of the dark, which I hadn't seen. Uh-huh. And we found like I found like a copy on YouTube, but it was all in Italian and no subtitles. And even though I am a hundred percent Italian. I know, no, I know the only thing I know in <laughs> Italian is how to ask for a pack of cigarettes. And I probably couldn't even do that properly. Now I learned that when I was like 18 years old, when I was going to go to Italy. Um, and I was like, I need to learn the essentials. How do I get a pack of cigarettes? How do I say hello? How do I say thank you? Well, I know how to say thank you and hello, <laughs> but I mean like, so I just needed it, whatever. And uh, so I was like, I, I can't watch. So we ended up finding a version on voodoo and I watched it and I, I really enjoyed it. But the soundtrack was a really, um, 
the soundtrack to that movie is just whoa. Uh, uh-huh. If you haven't seen All the Colors of the Dark, totally check no. it out. It's fucking rad. It's like a Jollo version of Rosemary's Baby. And there's tons of there's sex. Oh, okay. And it's on Voodoo. It's on Voodoo. Um, you probably even see it on Tubi. They might have subtitles, or even if you get the dub version, it's great. But like, um, so the, it was he was that was directed by Sergio Martino. He directed a movie called Torso, which I never, I still to this day I can't remember. Like, had I seen this movie before? But then there's parts of that movie where I was like, I feel like I would have remembered having seen that. But when I was in high school, I remember we used to get pieces and torso confused all the time. So um, anyway, it was torso, and then it was the the strange vice of Mrs. Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and Torso's good. Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward is just fucking fantastic. It has the same actress, Edwidge Finch from, uh, from all the colors of the dark. And she's just like this, like, you know, absolutely stunning, gorgeous, you know, Italian woman with these like beautiful eyes and just like, I don't know. She's just amazing. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, they were good. It was, it was, it was a great double feature. It was the best way to go back to the Egyptian. If you're going to, you know, yeah. is to go to that double feature cinematic void, put it together. It was really great. And then, um, and then on last week, a buddy of mine, same, same person, actually, uh, he had had a birthday marathon that I had to miss. We, we both do birthday marathons. He does like a triple features. I do five movies. Um, and, 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 you know, when I, when you, when I tell you like, well, for like this year for his three movies, he did demons, which was, you know, great Yeah. The faculty. And they did this movie called, in, oh. the, uh, called inside. And I was like, I've never seen that. It was a French film from 2007. It's like, I really think you should watch it. All I know is I met people that had went to his birthday and saw it. And they were like, Oh my God, you're going to watch that movie. And I was like, what the fuck? I think so I then I watched, it. I watched it last week with him and, um, it's, was it like I, one of the new French extremities? Yes, I kind of remember, 100%. yeah, because I I, lo- I love all those movies like Martyrs, High Tension. Like I fucking loved them when, mm. especially during that time period. I was like, this is so sick. I didn't um, know if I loved this one when we when it was over. Yeah. I was like, I got, I had, I was a little torn because so the whole premise is this this pregnant woman who's lost her husband and she's yes, about to give. Birth I do know. Okay, now. Day. Yeah. Now okay, that you, you know, say that, I'm like, I totally remember, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, there was, uh, there was a part that I didn't even watch. There was a part of the cat where I was like, first off, why is this fucking pregnant woman who's single have a fucking cat? Because, you know, um, <laughs> you know well, I mean, and I was like, this is where I, this is where it gets dorky, is um, pregnant women are at risk of toxic plasmosis when they're cleaning. Oh, really? pregnant women. And, I, that's, oh, and I was just like, that's a logistical thing that you wouldn't have, but they did it. Just so you could have a fucking scene where they were, where Beatrice Doll kills a fucking cat, and I didn't want. I was like, I'm not watching that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can. I'll watch people get fucking. Which I mean, trust me. In this movie, I watched everything else. I was like that guy gets his fucking head blown open. Like one person gets fucking. I mean, stabbed in the throat. One another person gets stabbed in the throat. Like so many things. I'm not gonna watch a fucking cat get killed. Um, uh, and I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a good movie, except for there was something that happens at the end where I was like, oh man, like you were really gearing up to have this big moment and then you spoiled it by having almost like a random, a random thing happen that goes, well, that kind of negates everything. Yeah. And, um, it kind of, it kind of soured my experience, but the more I thought about it, the more I really enjoyed it or not enjoyed it, but I really think it was, I think my problem is that like it bothered me, you know, but mm-hmm. it was so well done that I, I'm like, God, man, it's like, I can't, stop thinking about how good that one moment is or this one moment was. And it's like, but I was so angry watching the movie. I was like, man, fuck this movie. But it was done so well that I just, I can't 
Mm. But anyway, I saw that. And so those are the three big movies I hadn't seen before was um, Torso, which again, don't know if I haven't seen or hadn't seen all the colors of the dark and, um, and Sorry. not all the colors of the dark. I already seen that uh, strange, strange vice of Mrs. Ward and inside. Well, and then, uh, speaking of early two thousands, like I was talking, actually, I don't even know when this movie, um, have you ever seen Hounds of Love? Oh, uh, I remember Australian? that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I remember it. Oh, 2016. It like it wasn't early 2000s at all. But no, I, when I first, all. it's like that series. Um, some Australian horror I I find similar to French in ways where it's like super extreme. Um, and I'm, it leaves me being like, what the fuck is wrong with Australian people? But then you know that's everywhere and everyone. Uh, but when I was watching well, the Ken Barbie, wrong with Australian people. Yeah. <laughs> It's, they're fucking creeps creeps man um so when i was watching the ken and barbie killers i was like wow this sounds exactly like hounds of love and hounds of love was like the only movie or one of the only movies that i like got up and i was like i was watching it with our friend matt and i was like if this doesn't turn out how i wanted to i'm gonna fucking ruin your house like i'm just so angry and full of rage um because it's not like a revenge type of movie it's just like this person gets tortured and you're like sure ah, can i have some gratification of like this person seeking vengeance vengeance and you're like no there's none of that in this movie and, which I, and I think there's something to be said part. about movies that don't do that that don't give you that gratification i mean i'm not saying i like them i'm just saying that, like, like i don't think that movies should always be like hey we're you're gonna walk away feeling great about this i do not walk away from henry portrait of a serial killer feeling great i feel very <laughs> Dirty Dark. and disturbed. Yeah. No, there was that other movie, and great. I can't remember, also French, um, the like rape revenge movie, which I loved. They showed it at Beyond Fest, I'm pretty sure. I think that's when I saw it. And uh it Oh, uh, least, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the the like um bloody scene at the end. Um but or is it just called Revenge? I think. I think it's like called that. Revenge. Yeah. But, it, uh, but that Oh, I I do love Irreversible. Uh, I I do. I thought it was also, amazing. I never want to see it again in my yeah, life. Yeah, no, definitely same. I it's one of those movies that like you feel like you watch and you love, and then you're like this this six minute scene feels like six hours, and you're like I can I fast like can I go through this like any faster because this is the most horrible thing I've ever seen, and yeah. I love Monica Bellucci. Um, so yeah, I think some things and. This is where I like hate any type of censorship because people always want to like, oh, this like doesn't look good. I'm like, well, you think that doesn't happen in real life, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, so. I mean, I mean, that's you know, I I did want to give kudos to Gaspar away for that because that that scene you're talking about, I'm like, he's not doing it for you to get off, like, because I I was no, thinking, it's I was a having grotesque this conversation with recently. That, yeah. yeah, there's movies, unfortunately even in like even 80s and 70s movies that i love where i'm like where they have scenes of that nature where you go yeah you you're you're really not selling how bad this is because it feels like you're making it so that the guys in the fucking theater with the raincoats are going to get off on it you know what i mean like yeah. it's done for titillation and irreversible is like nope no fucking way that that scene is fucking and that's not even that that is the most brutal scene in the movie but that's not even like the only brutal scene in that movie. Yeah. Like the, the, the the beginning of it, I remember feeling like sick to my stomach. I still think it's a great movie. I just never need to watch it again. And yeah, that's... it's his best movie, but um, sure. that's also up for debate. But So anyway, I watched two Jalo films and then a French extremity movie. And, and, Fun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> a good round of uh, of movie watching. I know. Well, I, I brought the Jalo movie, because the movies because, you know, 
I know. I wish. I really wish I watched something besides Vampire Diaries because my mind is mush. But no, I. It was nice to watch this, and it's funny because I'd never seen. So we did the Evil Eye, which I think is like pretty much called like one of the first Giallos. It's like the, um, it's kind of like how like the MC5 and the Stooges are like the proto the first punk bands. They're not really, yeah, but, like, but yeah. they're like close on the, the on the level. Yeah, yeah. And like that goes because a lot of Giallos, especially early ones, were more like noirs, like horror noirs, and in, in ways like. There's yeah. always like a, a damsel or a, a woman in it that like you're not sure if they need saving or not. But it's funny because John Saxon and I know we talked about this before, but like he deserves I feel like so much more than he's ever gotten. Yeah, like a fucking Oscar. But that's yeah. there you go. That goes to show the Oscars. I know. I mean, have okay. they seen Enter the Dragon? Yeah, I'm you saying know? masterpiece. Yeah. Um. No, I. And this is, you know, a, uh, you want to give the synopsis? Sure. So it's room. funny because what we watched was The Evil Eye. In Italy, it's, there's a different cut of it. And it's called oh, yeah. The, the Girl Who Knew the Too girl Much. The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Yeah. And I bring up the fact that there's two different cuts because, uh, I'll, you know, we'll talk about it in a bit. But um, there's basically this a young American woman played by an Italian, of course. <laughs> this is what I actually love. Real quickly. Perfect. Young American woman goes to, uh, played by an Italian goes to Italy, goes to Rome, and uh, she's staying with her aunt, who dies, like, the first night there. So she ends up staying somewhere, she goes to go, goes to, go to the doctor, and she gets attacked, and she, she thinks she witnesses a murder. And she's also kind of romancing this Italian doctor, an Italian doctor played by an American actor. <laughs> um, so I just like the whatever. And then, of course, it's like, she's like, did I really witness this? Was there really a murder? And then she becomes, she's also, you know, uh, on the way to Italy, when she's on the plane, she's reading like, um, you know, crime novels, like and true like crime, yeah, like yeah, how yeah. Could obsess, except like a novel right. or a story. So, um, and then it just becomes a kind of like a weird murder mystery that um, that she kind of goes on, and there's a few, there's a really few really great parts in it too. But what I wanted to say was that um, the version we watched, the Evil Eye. Um, which was uh, the version was released in America is a little bit heavier on the comedy. So it kind of has this whimsical feeling to it of like, you know, where supposedly the Italian version is a little bit more, um, a little darker and a little bit more like, I think he was really trying to go for a Hitchcock type film. He was a big Hitchcock Well, that's some of my notes. And I know we watched the American version, but I did feel like it was very Hitchcockian in that way. Um, You know, like, it made a lot of sense and it was silly at times, but I didn't feel like it was too silly, but I know how like sometimes they change. I mean, it was pretty fucking silly. I mean, especially with the old lady and she was like, you know, like, uh, but there were some parts that I still really loved. And I, I honestly love like fifties and sixties lighting. I just like the way that all of the movies are lit. They make them like uh, so, so stark in, um, in composition. It's just really cool. Um, portraits of people i don't know i just feel like everyone just looks great or menacing you know it's it's one of those movies but one of the first things i noticed in the beginning scene when the aunt dies i was like oh my god we need to bring back 90s because they look so cute yeah (laughs) you know the 60s Um, 90s little nightgowns that they wore like and you know like in greece and stuff like that where um it's just so cute but it's not bad it's just not, it's just, I feel like it's less of a horror movie, even though it's called a horror movie. And I guess that makes sense when you're dealing with sure. murder um, and mayhem. Again, I mean, a lot of a lot of Jalo films, though, aren't considered 
cool. No, and I consider them either. more noir. Yeah, they're considered more like murder Detective. mystery. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and like I think I I mean there's like I a, think a, that the, the, a thing the, to the, be solved. Sure, I think the majority of the reason why we do lean into, like, I mean, like, there's definitely been movies, Jalo films that have made that have tipped, bent, put, moved the needle a little bit closer towards like horror, you know. Yeah, again, like so when uh, you get in the '70s and '80s, you have more like occultish sure. or like scary type. This is this is more on like the practical side. It's sure. more like a deep reddish, you know, less. <laughs> This feels like a, mis- a murder mystery that's just like yeah. has you know, and it's like it's fine, and like that's what ultimately Giallo films are supposed to be. They just all have that like trope and the hallmark of like the gloved black gloved hands of razor blades. Yeah. Um, and you sometimes, at least the ones that I've seen, sexually perverse yeah. killers or killers who've had who've been sexually traumatized by like something that happened in their childhood, and not even something like like sexual happens and it's like they were making out with a girl and then they got beat up by like a redhead so now they all hate redhead women you know what i mean like it's like weird it's a, it's not like you're like oh that's fucking like hardcore serious trauma that we should be taking <laughs> it's like really like uh in torso the killer becomes a killer uh, kills women because or becomes deranged because his brother was reaching for a doll and fell off a cliff and died and it's like, oh, yeah. that's why he hates women. <laughs> it's that type of absurdity. But um, yeah, this one doesn't. This one does feel a little bit more like, oh, when like when the killer's revealed, you go, oh yeah, I, you're like, you're like, I'll be, yeah, yeah. You're like that wraps it up. You know, it's like it's not like a weird like it's not as it doesn't go into the weird depths that a lot of these other Jalo films go. So like, but again, this was a kind of like before that was even a um, a film genre. I mean, I don't even know. I'm not quite sure if the paperback novels that where the term came from were big at this time but But i mean it did well on the to touch point on like the female hysteria and you're still in the 60s so like that's also a big thing where like instead of actually listening to housewives they were like you're crazy you're a crazy person like you're being hysterical even in the and i liked the shot too of like her in the bed and then the doctors and this like really round view where she's obviously drugged up and she's like, what's happening to me? And they're like, he's like, you're being hysterical. I'm the police. Like, that's all I needed. Bye. And you're like, what? Like, yeah. Okay. Or she's, or she, and I actually wrote that down because it's one of my favorite absurd moments of the movies where she's like <laughs> yelling to John Saxon, please tell him I'm not an alcoholic. And I'm like, Oh, which again, yeah. so there's an, there's an alternate version of the ending, which I'll get into in a bit. Um, but um, there's definitely some things that I think don't, Maybe part of the whimsiness of it, like the kind of why it feels a little bit more lighthearted than literally anything else that I can think of. I mean, horror related that Baba did, because I mean, it's funny to me that this played double features with Black Sabbath. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, it yeah. makes sense, you know, but at the same time, you know, who, considering, you know, yeah. who directed him, but I just tonally, they're very different. But I think part of the tone is a reason why it feels so different is because of who knows how good or bad the translation was. I mean, aside from an Italian who could watch the movie and go, yeah, the tra- the English translation in this is really bad. But like, um, there's just like lines of like, you know, tell him not alcoholic. Um, there's a great line towards the end of the movie where she's like talking to John Sack. She's like, do you really love me? And he's like, sometimes I wonder. And I'm like, okay, dude. All right. Um, fuck off John Saxon. You awesome dude. But, um, but also like, there's like scenes that like out of context, you're like, there's a whole thing where like, you're watching like a montage and like, he's like, 
he's showing around Italy and he's like doing stuff. And then at one point he's like, looks like he's like goose stepping and like doing Nazi salutes. And I'm like, was there actual dialogue in this scene? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, what is like he... miss something I... that was, yeah. What am I missing where it's like, where he's else? diving into that territory. But, um, I do like the fact that the three principal actors in here, and I mean like um, Leticia Roman and John Saxon and Valentina Cortez all dubbed their own English. They all did their own English dialogue, which is really, which is really cool. Cause it's like, as I was watching, I was like, yeah, I know that's John Saxon's voice, you know? Yeah. Like, from um, hearing it from many other horror. And same thing with Valentina Cortez. Valentina Cortez, I, I, you know, she's a great Italian actress, but I remember her as a child from, she was in Terry Gilliam's adventures of Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Okay. She played the Queen of the Moon with uh, to Robin Williams's King, and she's like half like half her screen time is like her head just flying around. Um, but that's how I recognize her, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's there you go. Um, but yeah, there was a whole like the ending was like the way the American version ends, and I'm not I'm not you should still watch the movie because I'm not going to tell you who the killer is or anything like that. But the movie does yeah. end with her. And it's not John Saxon, guys. Sorry, because this movie ends with her and John Saxon kind of going down this weird, like almost like a gondola, um, which to me looks terrifying. Because I'm also I've now I've developed a fear of heights in my old age, where I'm like, oh, I would be on that thing. I'd be like crying, like it's like a one, it's almost like a one or two person little like standing gondola, you know. And she's talking about like when are we gonna get married? And he's like, as long as you don't get involved with any murder mysteries, all this stuff. And then. While, there, while he says that, some guy who's spying on his wife shoots at somebody, and it's like, uh-oh, murder surround. And then she's, like, so oblivious. She's like, I didn't see anything, because, like, you know, she's trying to be a good future wife to John Saxon. <laughs> the original ending was in the beginning of the movie when she gets the pack of cigarettes, mm-hmm. right, from the, in the plane, that they're yeah. actually, they're weed. It's weed. Oh, my God. And Stop. So, no. So the so there was a weird implication that maybe she hallucinated that entire movie, and at the end, John Saxon goes to smoke one of them, and she knocks it out of his mouth. Stop. And then that and then a priest so comes up pick up. Yes, it would have. And it, that felt more like yes. I feel like that would have been more what I'm used to with these type of with with these giallo yeah. films or like or, oh where it's like they, there's a lot of these weird absurd huh you know like oh really we're just funny. gonna completely at the literally in the last three minutes of the movie we're gonna do like a a 180 or something you know that's what I'm I feel more accustomed to it was all um, a dream but a weed dream uh, uh, imp, like, implying that that's that could be the possible dude case, absurd you know? I can't even yeah. I mean amazing right. Um, but, no. And one of the things I do love about all, and it's something I thought of when I was watching the Sergio Martino movies too, is that like, specifically Torso, like there's a scene in Torso in the very beginning where like these kids, these college students are in this, it looks like they're in a church, but they're, well, I think they, it was shot in a church, but they're supposed to be getting like a, um, a lecture from like their college professor. And when they exit out, when they walk out, you're like, oh yeah, they're totally in Rome. Mm-hmm. And it's like on one hand, these directors, Martino and Bobo were like, yes, this is Rome. For you Americans who aren't familiar, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, but it's also just our background. And it's like, they do it in a way that we can't, we don't do it here. Like when we do it here, I feel like we punch in, we're like, Statue of Liberty, Hollywood sign, you know what I mean? Like we make it so like, you're in New York City, you're in, you know, Hollywood, California, whereas they just do it as like, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that big building in the way background, that's, that's just one of our buildings. And it's like, maybe it's just because we're Americans and we're like, wow, look at that. Definitely. That's so fucking cool. Whereas to them, it's just like, yeah, it literally is. is every day. Every day. I've seen it. Yeah. My eyes so I love that marriage day. of like, 
it's pretty fucking cool. But also, we see it all the time that they that Baba manages to do in this movie. And um, there's a few shots in this movie that are just like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this doesn't really feel like the movies of his that I'm as familiar with. Yeah, and then like, and then there'll be a shot of like, there's like a long hallway, and there's these light bulbs that are all like swinging. I'm like, oh yeah, this feels more like what I'm what what I'm used to with him. Yeah, uh, it's the, and then there's moments where like he just does the lighting in a certain way, and I'm like, God, I've never said this about a black and white film, but I wish this was in color, not colorized, but like I wish they had shot it in color because it was like there's I, I imagine it would have been so fucking beautiful, like the shot of her in that hallway that I'm talking about knowing how he used colors and, and lighting. Like if you watch um Black Sabbath, the one where the the nurse steals the jewelry from the dead body and then she starts like having these like she gets haunted. The colors yeah. in that are just so fucking cool and creepy and eerie. And seeming with you know his his story with Boris Karloff that like I can watch Black Sunday and it have it be in black and white and still be like, oh, this is a really creepy atmospheric thriller. It's just that when you saw what Baba could do with colors, it's just like, you know, yeah, Hercules no. the world, you know, like. I get what you're saying. I, I agree to a point, but I do feel like if you were to watch this movie, which is totally worth watching, by the way, that it should be a double feature, but, but paired with maybe like a Hitchcock or like a different like yeah. Hollywood noir type of movie, I do feel like it would do really well to be watched, like coincided with something else. And I mean, not to say that like you shouldn't watch Black Sabbath right after it, but I feel like, like you said, Tonal, they're two completely different movies and belong separately. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I feel like this feels less to me like a Jalo film and more like somebody who's really into Hitchcock and wants yes. to make a Hitchcock film. Absolutely. And that's great. That's fine. Um, and it yeah, feels it doesn't like make it bad. It makes it, it pretty make good. It I mean, and for more, especially because most who, who is doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I said, like it, it's just funny to me that there's two different versions. There's the American version, which is like emphasizes the comedy, and then there's the Italian version, which emphasizes the murder and the weirdness, like the oh, did she dream this? Did she not dream this? It, you know, blah 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 blah. I find that really interesting. That there's now I gotta find the other movies. version and watch it. I don't know. I know Keener Lorber put out um, Evil Eye. I don't know if they have an alternate version. Now, it's funny because I have Keener Lorber also put out Black Sabbath and Black Sunday, which I have, but I have, like, they did two different versions. They did the um, Italian versions of those movies, and then they did the versions that American International Pictures released, and they're two separate releases. And I only have, so I have the Italian version of Black Sabbath, which is fucked up because when you're watching it, you're watching the, the third story. All the stories are rearranged differently. And when you're watching the Boris Karloff story, which is, um, he's speaking English, he's dubbed over in Italian. You're like, oh, you know, and that's like one of the things about Boris Karloff that I love is his his voice, you know? So mm. um, I, it's not that I don't, I regret getting the, the Italian version of Black Sabbath. It's just, a, you know. It's not the one that I first saw when I was growing up. So, um, but again, just two different movies. And I, I don't know if Kino Lorber put out the, you know, has the alternate cut on their DVD. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe not. But um, I know that a lot of screenings in the U.S. when I mean, they've been done like, like festivals and stuff have still played the Evil Eye version and not the girl who knew too much. Oh, but I wonder if Even you can find it online. I'm going to look, but yeah. Interesting. No, it was it, it was great. It's totally it's totally worth watching too. Um, yeah. It's on Prime. I which I didn't see uh, 
It's on Shutter too. I didn't realize. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. That's what I actually meant. It's on Shutter. I was just looking at Shutter because I forgot that I had it, and I was like, "Oh, hell yeah!" Like a whole series of movies that I haven't seen yet. Um, but it is on there. And Tubi again, if you want to watch it free, very sick. Um, interesting watch because it doesn't feel like a horror horror, but it feels like a cool murder mystery, which yeah. I also love. Yeah. I can't remember what the other ideas we did have, you know, I threw out there as options and everything like that. But like I did, you know, I, for me, it was really great to, to like having gone to like a double feature of Jalo films from the seventies and then watching um, one from the sixties and then watching this kind of like proto version of like from the sixties, you know, I really dug that. So. No, it is um, because you kind of see how a lot of other movies like obviously used this whole and and we've done a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like use this whole like prototype to for their like murder mystery horrors. But like it's cool yeah. to transition between this and then other films. But I love again, I love like early 60s type of horror films. I I know you said you want to see it in color, but there's like something so special about these black and white films. That, like, I love I black. I usually, I mean, I love black. I just, there are certain shots where I'm just like, God damn, like imagining what he would have done. Yeah. <laughs> had he done it in color, just been like, oh, that would have been really fucking cool. And also like, I mean, cause like, it, yeah, absolutely. But um, I still enjoy it a lot, you know, um, but I, I be interested in if there, it, what, in a, in another d- parallel world where like what a colorized ver- or color version of this movie would have been. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like the early, if you can see the seeds being planted for what will become like a genre that I, like I said, I don't think it will, will get, doesn't, you know, I think the reason why Jalo gets so tied with horror is because you have people like Martino and Dario Gento who are going, oh, let's take this and let's, again, let's go, let's lean a little bit heavier on here. Like Deep Red yeah. or Ponderoso starts to feel a bit more like, oh, this starts to feel like a horror movie. Like the fucking weird, like mannequin that kind of zips, you know, that, you know, with the baby. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, though. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, now we're... And then, he, of course, the movie he does after that, Suspiria, which isn't a Jalo film, but, you know. Um, and then he starts merging that stuff in, like, Phenomena, with, like, with Jennifer Conley, where it's like, oh, it's a Jalo film, but it's also a, it's also a supernatural, you know. So... Um, yeah, exactly. Like, I, could, I could talk for hours about Jalo and the- all the weird... Transition from here to there and, like, yeah. how it came out. It's... No, it's, like, superb movie telling which i really enjoy uh especially from the transition from like a like the early 60s to like 70s when again like you said people are more directing in color and like different lighting and experimenting it's very cool and getting away with more stuff yeah exactly especially you know most of the times we've under their we've done other countries you see like very restrictive past in like the late 50s and early 60s even 70s in some areas where like the government is very much ruling like what gets shown and said and what like uh certain things are like and so that's my favorite thing about hard too because i feel like it directly influenced you know uh the times and culture and stuff like that and yeah, they're so good, anytime they're horror, yeah good harm yeah is a good insight into what's going on in that place realm at the time culture, yeah. And, yeah exactly very cool. But yeah, so on Tubi, uh, on Shudder, uh, if you can find the other version, let me know because I'm also going to be looking for it so I can watch it because I think that would be cool. All right. Bye. Bye, guys.
the supernatural powers of the evil eye claim still another victim. Its malevolent enjoyment of tantalizing torture hangs threateningly over John Saxon, Letitia Roman, and Valentina Corteza. Oh, she was always against me. She hated me. Madness. And the maddening aura that destroys reason fills their every breath with the smell of death. Miss Drawson, have you ever seen a murder before? No, no, I've never seen anything like that. Never. Oh, stop playing games, will you, Landini? I don't know what you're trying to do, but I know that you're, you're involved in this. Perhaps Nora has seen the killer. But how do we know that he hasn't seen her? The evil eye, like relentless tides, reaches out for them. And they defiantly hold ecstasy and horror in their arms and touch lips with terror while the evil eye watches their every kiss and invades their subconscious. Thank you. 